Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king, methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Race Chaser Media's Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Inside Groove Supermodified Podcast. This is episode number 87, and we'll get to the particulars of what's in a number as far as the number 87 in relation to Supermodified history as we go along a little bit later in the show. My name is Tom Baker. I'm the host of the show and if this is the first time you're listening to the show, thank you very much. And I hope that you enjoy what you hear on this program. Again, we've made 87 of these and um, we're in the process of putting them all in one place for you. I'm uh, going to tell you about that in a minute real quick, but we're going to keep this show kind of taut, uh, kind of brief, kind of short in terms of my contribution to it. This is our last show for 2021 however we already have the next show which will be the first show for 2022 um started and underway so uh, we we're going to make a brief appearance here to close out the year um i've been away for a few weeks and the super modified world has sort of gone crazy in some ways uh, so we'll have some uh, news to talk about later in the show, Camden Proud, new car for next year. We got a new racing series out of New England, no less. So we'll uh, have some discussion about that, too, in our uh, final segment. But here's the main theme for this show. Jersey Jet, Joey Payne, is our featured guest. And we all know Joey. If Joey's got something to say, he's already said it. And... <laughs> I will promise you that when you hear this interview, Joey has plenty to say, but it's a great interview. Um, it takes me back to some things that I didn't know, some things I'd forgotten about Joey um, and kind of how he got started in his early days. Um, so it was a great interview. And Joey is actually uh, out in Indiana and he's racing this weekend. So you'll hear the details of that in the interview as well. Um, so we got a lot to catch up on later in the show, but again, I'm going to try to do it in as brief a form as possible. And we'll expand on each of the topics on our first show, uh, right after the new year. So let me start by telling you a little bit of news in terms of this show and my brand and me. So for the last couple of months, I've been alluding to a new brand and a new launch and all that. Well, the new website is about 95% done right now. We are rapidly finishing up uh, some of the sections of it. And we're going to soft launch it here, hopefully before Christmas. That's the goal. And that means we're just going to turn it on. It's going to be live. And you'll all be able to go and read content and engage with it and do all that. Now, it is not what you see in the soft launch isn't all there's going to be. It's just the media section, my driver sections. Um, and, uh, you know, it, and, and then we're going to have 
uh, our subscription sections as well. We're going to have an uh, we're going to have a huge raffle um, that we're going to do as part of the sort of grand opening, if you will. Uh, and so you'll be hearing more about that. I wanted to alert you to that. Um, somebody going to win a cruise, and not just any cruise. That's the grand prize, but there will be others as well. So we're going to do a, a, a huge raffle here to, to kind of start things off. The goal for this brand, Steering Wheel Nation, is to be very engaging. We want to do something. Yes, we're going to have our stories, our shows. All of these will all be all in one place. That's the goal. I haven't had a real website in way too long. So get all the tools and technology now. We're... We're going to be able to put all the shows directly on the website. Each uh, show will have its own page, its own area of the site. You will be able to subscribe. Um, let me and let me clarify that there will be no cost for this subscription to um, receive the shows directly in your inbox. Okay, free of charge. Just a, it's an email sign up. That's all it is. Um, and so if you if you like. You will now be able to, you'll know you won't miss a show because you'll get it right straight in your email inbox. It'll also be on the website in full, okay, on steeringwheelnation.com. We are not sure we're going to share the full link to, um, to, to the social medias or not. We're still working on that, um, but... You will be able to always go to our site. I've had so I've had more people than I would have thought say to me, "I'm not on Facebook or any of those. How do I get the show?" Well, be, up to now, it's been. Well, I mean, we have it on Apple and wherever else, uh, Spotify, all those those players. But um, you know, again, you have to have those too. <laughs> so, what do you do if you don't have any of that? Well, we're making it as simple as possible now because everybody has email, and if you don't what's wrong with you at this point and um you know everybody has access to the internet so we're going to put we we the, the two things we know we're going to put all the shows not just inside groove but all the shows on this website um you'll be able to go there and, and just go to the page and listen and have a good time and we're also going to give you uh, uh, the email subscription option to go ahead and get uh, the shows directly in your inbox as soon as uh, as soon as they're posted. So uh, we're also going to have apps for your phone. Those are coming. There we we have to we we don't control when we can have those because they have to obviously be approved by um, the two uh, main um, Crapple and and uh, <laughs> and uh, Google. So if uh, as soon as uh, you know goggles and crapple approve them then they'll be up um, but uh, you will be able to and they will be full feature apps so anything you can do on the site you can do on the app and um so we'll have those too so this is going to be a fun thing that we're creating here we're going to do a lot of things that you can have access to be a part of access to win um you know and we've got several more features that we're going to unveil on the website as we get them in place. So what we're doing is a beginning. It's not the end. So when you first see the site, uh, just know that what you're seeing is, you know, this is phase one and, 
you know, over the next 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, additional features will be built in and things will start rocking. So just wanted you to know about that, that it was coming. The social medias are already live. And I would urge all of you to go and like or follow whatever the particular social calls for those pages. Like us on Facebook. Just look up Steering Wheel Nation. It's at The Wheel Nation. And then Twitter and Instagram, at The Wheel Nation. All one word. Um, And just like or follow, whatever it calls for. And um, we do have uh, a LinkedIn, but I haven't done too much with that yet. So uh, we are, we're going to have some fun. And this is going to be, this is the biggest project I've ever been involved with in terms of media. Um, there's a team of people behind this. I'm a part of that team. And we are just incredibly excited at um, what we're what we're creating here. And we hope you all will be too. Um, it's to serve the sport. It's to, uh, you know, to help charities and, and communities. Um, and it's, it's also to allow us to have a place to go and chill out and read some, hopefully some great stories and listen to shows. And, and, uh, eventually as we incorporate video into this, which is coming very quickly, uh, you know, be able to watch things as well. And we're going to have some outside. We're not creating all the content for this site. We're going to have some outside podcasts and outside shows that we're going to be bringing in. We are working with a couple of, uh, working on a couple of potential live stream uh, situations. We won't be streaming in terms of, you know, me hiring staff and going and doing that. We will simply be a hub for other folks, live stream content. And this is going to be focused on a lot of different areas of racing. So obviously super modifieds and, and, and all that are part of it. Um, and we're going to do a lot with uh, local dirt track racing in this region, we're doing a lot with uh, road racing and sports car racing as we can build that out. I'm actually heading for Sebring here this weekend for a Champ Car Series race down there. Got a driver racing in that, and um, that's that type of uh, endurance, mid-level endurance, and, and all of that. We're going to feature some of that. Um, it's We just want to have fun. We want to show off the people that make the sport what it is and bring some interesting stories to you on a regular basis and just make it a place that's that's fun to be a part of and give you a chance to win things and have a good time that's that's really all it is so um we'll have more information about that but i would encourage all encourage all of you to go to steering wheel nation on facebook twitter and instagram and like or follow as if you're on those platforms um and also know that the website's very close. It's coming, hopefully by Christmas. Um, just the basic media, and uh, then you'll be able to start learning about a raffle. And we've got a Champions Club that we're, we're introducing as well. Going to have some amazing perks for that. Um, so fun stuff. This team is a global team I'm working with. Um, I cannot believe, honestly, that all this has come together the way it has, because if I'd launched this six months ago and had any of it, um, but uh, just some amazing people. And, you know, again, not 
you know, not a selfish venture at all. We're trying to serve areas of the sport that are underserved media-wise. We're also trying to bring great stories about the people in the sport and give them more exposure. And at the same time, we're going to, as we do some of these things that generate revenue, uh, we will have merchandise of all sorts. We're going to, um, you know, we're, we're very, very focused on uh, charitable work and that sort of thing. We want to make a difference. That's, that's exactly what this is all about. Um, so basically, the, the, it became with this group of people, how can we take what we're all good at and put it together in a way that lets us have fun and lets a lot of people enjoy it, but also makes a difference in communities and, you know, um, situations. So um, something I've always wanted to do, it's just having the vehicle to do it. So this is kind of, this is that, that vehicle. So um, that's it. <laughs> so I'm going to leave that here, right where it is. Uh, and uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, you're going to hear from the main reason I put the show together was for Joey Payne and for you to hear from him. And uh, then we'll come back and we'll talk about um, some other things on the other side of that. So um, be back in a moment with Joey Payne right after this. Hey, here's a little fish tale for you. It's about a place named Skip's Fish Fry. Skip's Fish Fry is located at 42 West 2nd Street in Oswego. They're open Tuesday through Saturday, 11 to 7. So don't call them on Sunday or Monday. They're gone fishing. They are open Tuesday through Saturday, 11 to 7. They serve a variety of great fish, burgers, Hoffman hot dogs, conies, lobster, soup, salad. They even have cheesecake if you feel like some delicious dessert. I love their haddock pieces. That's one of my favorites. Uh, and they just have great food. It is the best fish in the Port City. I'm not just saying that because they're a sponsor of the show. It is one of the first places that I go to eat every time I'm in town. So call Skip's Fish Fry or go visit them on their website at skipsfishfry.com. And by the way, you can order online and just go pick it up. It's a great way to go ahead and take care of the not-so-fun part before you get there. And then when you get there, just pick up your food, bring it home, and enjoy. Skip's Fish Fry, 42 West 2nd Street in Oswego. Go visit them. Welcome back to Inside Groove as we continue with our final show of 2021. And uh, we are going out with a bang on on this show. As I mentioned in the opening segment, Joey Payne is our featured guest. And Joey is uh, coming to us from Indianapolis where he is out there to do a little business this weekend on the track indoors. At the Rumble at Fort Wayne, Joey is going to be driving for Smoke Johnson, who we all know is Tony Stewart. Um, how in the world, Joey, did you put this deal together? Well, you know, I, I've been helping Tony and, and the guys for the last couple of years doing their tires. You know, ah. I, I come here with a lot of experience from indoor racing and, you know, just a uh, group of us. We just uh, we started helping Tony and, and his whole team and... Uh, you know, like I said, we do tires and, and work on the cars. And this year, uh, Rico couldn't make it. And uh, Tony just asked me to take the wheel over. And uh, I couldn't be happier. 
And you said, well, first you got to put a bigger seat in it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I just did. I I was here at the shop at uh, ten o'clock this morning, putting the seat in the car, and uh, Sam McGee, the crew chief, he uh, he got everything squared away, set the headrest, and uh, we're ready to go. We're going to load up tonight and get over there for tomorrow morning. That's awesome. I didn't realize you'd been uh, helping Tony out and doing all that, but uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, can't wait to see what you do this weekend. We'll talk more about the Rumble here in a bit, but I want to take you all the way back because. You know, part of um, part of what I love doing on this show is uh, learning about kind of the humble beginnings and uh, how it all started for folks. So um, take me all the way back. Tell me how old you were, kind of how you, you know, what got you, what attracted you to racing and how you got started. What are your very first memories of, of racing of any kind? Well, it's kind of easy because I grew up in a racing family. You know, my dad... He owned race cars since since like 1970. Oh, I didn't know that. And uh, his uncle owned sprint cars out in Indiana. And my my uncle, my godfather, he owned midgets. So it, it's been in our family for a long, long time, gotcha. like the 50s. And uh, my first memory of racing, my dad took me to Pine Brook Speedway when I was about maybe four or five years old. Okay. And, uh we walked in and and I saw, I, I mean I know who it is now. I didn't know who it was back then when I was five, but Jack Burtland caught a wheel and and went over over the guardrail and got hooked on the fence and was hanging off the fence. Oh wow! Just as we walked in the gate, so that was my first ever memory of of racing. Did, did that scare you? No, no, it was <laughs> you know just I didn't know I didn't know any better back then. I guess <laughs> right, know? yeah, but that's that's. Yeah, actually, you might have looked at it at five years old and said, well, that's cool, you know, not realizing, right? I mean, that's <laughs> I can't remember what I thought of it. But, Interesting. You know. Wow. But, uh, and then from, from then on, my, my dad wound up buying a uh, three-quarter midget back in uh, 70, like right at that point. Okay. And he always had drivers. And, you know, the one, the one bad thing living in New Jersey was you couldn't drive a race car on an oval track until you were 18 back back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Okay. And uh, so that, that always hampered my racing. I mean, I, I did start when I was like 14 years old. I started racing go-karts at New Egypt and Cuddybackville. Oh, nice. Uh, was successful doing that. And uh, But I, I had to wait till I was 18, you know, to, yeah. to drive the three-quarter of the family, three-quarter midget. And, uh, you know, I, I wound up at 17, I went up to – Canada. We raced up in Canada two races, and because uh, Can Am, you could you could be sixteen to race. Oh, I see. So, okay, yeah. So I my first race, I I was at Barry Speedway in Canada, and I started like twentieth and got up to third and spun out. And oh. Can Am had a rule: if you spun out, you were done. So that was my oh. my first race. Le- left a little bitter taste, and uh, the next day we went to Cayuga, and I wound up finishing fifth. Wow. So it, was, uh, it was a good start. I guess so. You were a quick learner. Uh, that's cruel. If you spin, you're done. That's that's like, holy cow, man. Um, I mean, what if somebody turned you around? Do they differentiate? I mean, that is, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah. So you, you ran TQs, and obviously at some point you became aware of super modifieds, I would guess, 
somewhere well, along I, there. How did that work? When I started driving three-quarter midgets, I always I always saw the super modifieds at Oswego, yeah. and and you know back back in the day, all the TQ midgets were like upright-looking cars. Yeah. And when 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 I started building cars with my dad, we started introducing like the the super modified tail, the super modified nose, oh. and and uh, I always I always loved the super modifieds, and uh, all through my career, I always wanted to race a super modified and. You know, coming up through the midgets and TQ midgets, and you know, everybody always wanted the driver to pay for tires, and and you know, I came from a hardworking family. We were just a hardworking bunch of guys, and you know, my dad always had cars, so he always spent his money on 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 his cars, and never really had money to to lay out for me to go drive other cars. Right. And uh, you know, I I. I was driving for Jeff Miller in, in 1994. Bentley Warren was driving Jeff Miller's midget, and he couldn't make Seekonk. Okay. Bobby Seymour put me in touch with Jeff Miller, got me the ride, and it was a one-shot deal. And after that race, we hit it off. We won, I think we won three or four races that year. And at the end of the season, I was at work, and Jeff called me, and he said, uh, you think you could drive a Super Modified? I said, absolutely. He goes, good, because I just bought you one. Holy cow. And, and that's that's how I got into Super Modified. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, Happy it was good. Oh, wow. So um, that would have been, did you run, because I was trying to remember, like, think back and where I even, I don't remember whose car I first even remember seeing you in at Oswego. It's been so long, and my memory is so much yeah, lately. Yeah. But it's, I, I drove for Jeff Miller. We, we bought the car after after the Classic in 94. Okay. So I, my first race was, uh, it was Star. Like, for some reason, the Classic didn't end the season at Star that year. Oh. We ran. It was a regular Saturday night race. I ran... I think I started like 15th. I think at that time there was 15 cars there, and we wound up third that night. Wow! And uh, it was a good, good uh, first race. And then we went, we went to Thompson the next race, and wound up upside down on the back stretch. <laughs> back to reality, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we we fixed the car for Lee the next week for the Oktoberfest, and and I don't remember where we finished. I think it was a top five, maybe fifth or sixth, seventh, okay. somewhere around there. Okay. And from there on out. I mean, we just, we really, we gelled really good as a team, and we won a lot of races with Star, Lee, and, and Isma. Yeah, I think I, I think probably it was an Isma show the first time I saw you, and um, it just seemed like by the time you came to Oswego, you were already well-known, and everybody was talking about you. Like, you know, Joey, Joey's coming, and I don't even what was the first car you ran at Oswego? Was that Joust? I drove Pat and Terry's car. Oh, okay. Drove, so it yep, was. I drove the ninety nine. Okay, yeah. Cause you didn't you have a couple stints with them? Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. drove for. Okay. I drove for them whenever they needed a driver, and I was available. I, I I wanted to get seat time without the wing because it's a big difference. It is from the top wing. It is. Yeah. Um, so I I I think I drove for them maybe five or six times. Okay. And then then I you know Jeff Jeff we started running Jeff's cars for the classic and. You know, that that took over that. And then uh, in 08, I believe it was, Pat approached me and said that he wanted he wanted me to drive full-time at Oswego. Okay. And, uh, so I that was, was doing, the first was, time you was, ran full-time. 
Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. I was I was actually I had stepped away from the Ismator because I mean my kids grew up and I hardly saw them because I was always away racing. Yeah. And uh, I mean, luckily enough, they came to a lot of races, but there was times where, you know, I got home and I missed Tiffany's recital or, you know, Joey's baseball game or, or, you know, football games. And so I I sort of stepped away and I wanted to be more local. And uh, I started running Nima Midgets for Gene Angelillo. Oh, okay. 45 Park. Kicked ass there. And, uh, you know. Oswego was only four and a half hours away from my house, so in '09 I decided that was it. I wanted to do Oswego and take a shot at that. Interesting. Okay, so that's kind of where you got started at Oswego, and and uh, you ran for Pat, and you guys had some some success together and ran well, as I remember it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Pat and Terry are just such great people. They always had a team full of the, some of the hardest workers in the pit area. Oh yeah, yeah. They're they're family to me. I mean, we we've we've been through thick and thin. You know, I I had stopped driving for them, and and I was driving for Mike Muldoon, and and oh, and yes, I mean, right. I was still staying at their house. I mean, we just we just hit it off as as friends, and and like I said, we're family. I mean, you know, yeah. Terry's been through a lot with with yes, her health, has. and and you know. A day doesn't go by that, you know, <laughs> I don't think about how lucky she is that Absolutely. she beat what she beat, you yep. know. And yep. uh, God is good. You know, they're just great people and just really, truly unsung heroes because we had a lot of good finishes. A, a lot. I think I ran four times in second in points. And, you know, they weren't a high, highly funded team as, right. as like the Nacotra teams or the Graham teams, sure. you know. We uh, we did really good for what we had, and uh, you know I was able to get them their first win, and it was it came after Pat's Pat uh, Pat's dad had passed away the week before. And, oh, uh, I remember just, that. Now just that very emotional, yes. and and yes. you know there again, just like one big family. You know we're all crying, and and you know just you know thanking everybody that we you know were able to pull a win off. We were hoping it was a week before, so he could he could know that we won, but. You know, it was just uh, one of those deals. Yeah, that's uh, I I I remember that. Now that you mention, I remember that that win that you had. You that was a very was very emotional. Uh, and I and and I think your interview after the race reflected that. Um, what uh, what was it like to transition from a TQ midget to a super? I've always been curious to hear someone talk about that because um, I mean it's obviously. They're they're somewhat similar and yet hardly similar. Um, yeah. But they're I mean they both have a roll cage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> four times. Honestly, honest, honestly, it was easier to adapt to the super from the three quarter midget, from rather than from the midget or or the Nema light style cars. Okay. You know those cars are like sprint cars. You sit above the drive shaft. You right. know, the engine okay. is directly yeah. in front of you. Yeah. You know your feet are off to the sides. Super modified and the three quarter midget are identically the same, same kind of deal. Engine yeah. hanging off the the left side, and you know your feet straight out, and you know the only difference is is you know eight hundred horsepower. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, big the similarities were were very close to the same. I mean, you know they 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 both turn on a dime the same way. You know, uh, left side weight. I mean, is, is very important in both cars, and and you know. With most of the three-quarter midgets I ran back when I started had wings on them, so it was more like an Isma car. But, okay, you know, 
it, it was easy to adapt to to a super modified because I ran three quarter midgets and and through the years you've seen other three quarter midget guys come in and do very good in, in, oh, yeah. in super modifieds and I, I think that all that that knowledge and and training from that style car helped them tremendously. I'm sure it did. Yeah, I mean, you know, guys like Dave McKnight and Keith Dempster yep. and um, Louis Ciccone, Ciccone and Samet, Noki, Noki. Yep. Yeah, I mean, all those guys. Um, that I mean, gosh, the Niagara Falls shows used to be so much fun back in the day. I mi- I miss those. Oh, I mean, those were those were fun for any number of reasons, right? But yep. um, you know, the racing was just spectacular, and that was racing. It was that was that was serious. Hardcore racing, yeah. The stuff that goes on now in, in Atlantic City and Allentown and, and Syracuse, it's like battle bot racing. They they don't they don't patrol any rough riding. You know, it, it just it's like a, a no holds bar. You know, just like go out and knock your bumpers off. Go ahead and do it. Yeah, and, and um, that's not really racing. Yeah, it's kind of it, it's it's adopted kind of a roller derby mentality, and and I think people are now it's all about. The bumper's an offensive weapon at this yeah. point, and and it's just you know how you pass, and a lot of the those tracks I don't think they're wide enough. I just you know Niagara Falls wasn't terribly wide, but it seemed like it no. was a little wider, and it, and, and everybody just right. drove with more respect back yeah. in those days. Than well, they because now. because the officials would put you to the back if you spun somebody yeah. out. Yeah. You know, yeah. now it's like they turn their head. Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, you know, and that's, like I said, that, and it isn't just that style of racing either. A lot of racing, even down here, that's all you get is bumping around the late models. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's too bad because there's a lot of talent in that division, but, you know, it's just, right. yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I love those days, and I'm glad that we do have indoor racing still or it kind of returned, and I'm happy Syracuse got a show. Um, yeah. But like you said, it's a completely different approach now. Yeah, I, I honestly, I gave up on it. I don't, I don't even do it anymore. I sold Anthony's oh. car. You know, oh, that was my, that. that was my cue to stop indoor racing because he's got a ride, and I had his car left. I, I drove it at Syracuse the first year to head Syracuse. Okay. And I, I did pretty good with it, and uh, I said, you know what, I don't need to be doing this because you spend an awful lot of money on indoor racing, and uh, I just. I, I can't see spend putting bumpers and nerf bars on the car every yeah. race and you know, wheels get destroyed, front end parts get destroyed. It just it, it ain't worth it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's uh, it, it, it's kind of too bad because that used to be like I said that was the winter there. You'd you'd go you know those few weekends right. at the falls and you know is uh, obviously in some ways a party and in some ways a social event and in some ways you know there was a race and it was just the yep. perfect. Uh, what what I do. always liked about it was it broke the winter up, yeah. but it also kept me very, very sharp as a driver. Sure, yeah. Because it happens quick indoors, and you got to be on on the ball. Oh, and yeah. you got to have eyes out, out your butt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's not much room for, you know, for air. I mean, I the last one they ever did there, I ran a go-kart, and I was shocked at, you know, like the blind corners and just how, you know, it was so different from anything I'd ever done with a cart. And it w- it took me half the day just to get used to, 
you know, the speed and how to deal with that. And not that I'm a racer, but just to say that even from that perspective, I can only imagine what it's like to do it in a TQ, you know, bigger and, you know, all that. But, um, yeah, but it was definitely, definitely fun stuff. Um, And, but you, you've had a, you've had a tremendous career in the Supers um, and, and driven for a lot of different people. What are, what are some of the memories that you have? Um, is, is are there race? Is, is there a race or races? What what do you what memories do you have? I know the first win, obviously with Pat, um, because of the emotion that went along with that. But um, you yeah. know, what are some of the I other mean, memories? There's, there's so away? many. I mean, I mean, like the Jeff Miller crew, we won a lot of races, and you know, I, I won I won the High Miler, I won the Super Nationals, and I won I won a bunch of races, Florida. But with those guys, every weekend was a win because if you didn't come home with your cheeks hurting from laughing so hard, <laughs> you didn't do <laughs> <Yeah>. good. <laughs> so, you know, the, the whole Miller crew, I mean, any time we went racing, it was a good time. I mean, we had our ups and downs. There was some, you know, sometimes equipment failed. And, you know, you know, in 97, I think I fell out of seven or eight races, and we still finished third in the points, you know, oh, wow. like just you know we either won or, or or we were broken but uh you know pat and terry i mean i've i've always you know we've got a lot of memories with them and you know in 2015 ray graham had stepped in and, and offered us a car and we didn't get it out until like august and you know we were immediately fast with it i won the second night that i was in it and we shattered the track record yeah, we go. Yeah. That was that was one of the biggest memories that I had that lasted for a long time. You know, I mean, you know, coming up through three quarter midget ranks and midget ranks. And I always looked at Oswego as that was our India of the East Coast. And, you know, to win there was one thing, but to, to sit on the pole for the classic and, and hold that track record for seven or eight years. That was that was really special. Yeah, that was a. My gosh, you and Cody both broke the record, I think, right? Yeah, you went faster yeah. and Mike Barnes, too. All three of and us Barnes, on the same, yes, like, the last right. three guys yeah. in time, we shattered the track record. Yeah, that's just, uh, that was an incredible time trial session, and, and then you just took off in the Classic and basically kind of ran away with it, and then it seemed like you got to the traffic, and it was almost like you just stopped, if I remember that race yeah, correctly. Yeah, well, you just what, what happened? What had happened was we put a new, we didn't use our time trial tires. We put a new, a new set of rear tires on the car. Okay. And as soon as, as soon as I got some heat in them, I could feel the car was so loose. Ah. Oh, and and okay. I just, I said, you know what? It's really free. It's not going to get any better. And uh, I just decided I'd try and lap as many cars as I could. So when I came in and made made a pit stop for a tire, I, I only had to go buy maybe 10 or, or 12 cars rather than 25 cars. Right. Okay. And, uh, you know, that, that you know. Was that it Doug Dideral that year? Who teams. was it? You had a uh, battle for the lead with somebody for a while when you got, was it Didero that you got, that caught you in the traffic and you two went at it a little bit for the lead? and. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to no, remember. I, I know there was, was somebody. Doug. I don't remember who it was, but I know somebody caught you in the two. I think it was Otto. Me and Otto. I think Otto, was and Otto and I were, yeah. were battling it out. Okay. Because, yeah. um, you know, it was like, oh, gosh, what's going to happen now? And and that was a race where, I mean, you kind of got to the traffic so quickly, and yeah. we didn't have a lot of attrition yet. 
if I right. again, I remember right. So you had this mess of cars and nobody was moving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. like just trying to, but yeah, that you uh, you went really good in the Graham in the Graham cars and um, yeah. I mean, gosh, you know, you drove for Muldoon for for a while and. Um, who else? Well, you've driven for so many different people. Oh, I drove for Howie Lane, um, George Brothers. Um, I don't remember. God, Don Penix. George. I've been driving for him for, yes, for the last four or five that. years. Yeah, that, that's where you are now still. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, I mean, you, you're still running well. I mean, what... What is your what are what is your what are your thoughts on the the, the super modified class as a whole right now? I mean, I know I mean everybody's kind of got an idea of where they think it should be and what they think it should be. You've been around a long time. What, yeah, you know, and and you know, I don't sugarcoat stuff. No, you, you, the, you, the biggest you the biggest have. downfall <laughs> for Isma was allowing that big bore short stroke engine. Yeah. Why you'd want to turn an engine eighty five hundred RPMs when when you could turn it at seven thousand and last for for. 2,000 laps rather than rebuild an engine every four races doesn't make a lot of smarts to me. Um, and what it did was it put the, it put the small-time guy out of business because, you know, like like our car, we, we've got, I mean, Doug Holmes builds a phenomenal engine. Sure I can't does. turn my engine over 77100. Okay. Those guys are turning 8500. You're not going to come off the corner with them because they got 50 more points of gear. Okay. And you know that that put a lot of the a lot of the low buck guys out of out of business because why am I going to go and, and and race for fifteenth place or or tenth place? You you don't have that shot anymore. What was I mean? What was the reasoning for doing that? I I don't understand. No, why. it's it's just you know one guy one guy did it, and then all the big you know most of the guys that have those big bore short stroke engines. They all have their own businesses, and they all have tons of money. Okay. So it was and, just not. And that's no lie. When they turn they them 8,500, they're rebuilding them every four races. Man. Well. But why you would want to do that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean. To race for $4,000 to win. Yeah. When it's 8,000 to rebuild your engine. Don't don't make sense to me. Well, and it, it doesn't. I mean, I, you look at it strictly from a business model, and if you're going out, and I know Isma at one point for a long time was, you know, wanting you know, $30,000 purses or whatever. It's like, yep. you know, when you do something like this and your field drops to 12 cars, you can't really go and ask for 30 grand anymore. So then, no. you exactly. know what I mean? Like as, as a business model, you look at it and go, what did we just do to our, to our show? You know, yep. um, you killed, you, you shot yourself in the foot. That's right. what happened. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's tough sometimes because I look at, and I see this in, in other places in the sport too. You look at the club model versus the, you know, sort of, um, you know, promoter model who it's his series. You know, when you're a club, depending on who's controlling the club and what their their pervading, you know, theory is, you go one way and then you get new new administration and they kind of go another and then you get. And and I think sometimes what happens is it's it becomes easier to forget that if it's not best for the group. Ultimately, the boat's going to sink if you put holes in it. And, yep. You know exactly. You know, yep. <laughs> I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you a perfect example. Now, like I said, I don't hold anything back. I got a phone call to support Isma for Jennerstown and Star Classic this year. Oh, okay, yeah. Now, That's my car true. owner can afford to race and spend any, you know, any amount we need to spend. He can spend. Sure. I can't as 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 the the driver and the guy that works on the car, 
and hauls it to the track and, and does everything that we have to do, I cannot physically bring that car to the track, and now I'm not on a commitment deal. So if I don't finish in the top five, I get $650. Okay. So Jennerstown is seven hours from me. Yep. So it's seven hours there, seven hours back. Figure $800 in fuel. Now, all I had was tires for the Classic, so I only had two inches of stagger, so I'd have to buy two sets of tires to go to Jennerstown to race. That's $1,900. Now you throw in a hotel room that night and a hotel room the, the night of the race, and your methanol and your tires, you know, I, I figured we'd spend $5,000 to go and make $650. Wow. So I told, I told Brad Lichty, I said, you know what, Brad? I love Isma, and I would really like to support him. I said, but I cannot, in the right mind, make Don spend $5,000 to go get $650 Yeah. in return. I said, guess what, though? I, I got a subscription to flow. I'm going to sit home and watch you sack racing on Saturday night <laughs> yeah. and save money. Yeah. And that's 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 what I did. I, I cannot. I love racing, and my car owner loves racing, but I cannot make him spend that much money knowing that if we don't finish first or second or third, we're not even going to cover one set of tires. Yeah, let alone two plus all the other expenses, right? Yeah, it's, yeah you know, and, yeah. and, and it's it really stinks to have that thought, but, I mean, we're in a bad place right now in this country. And, and I agree. And you, you got to think about what you spend and what you get in return. Yep. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, we were fortunate enough this year we ran both classics. We finished fifth and sixth, and not that we covered our expenses, but we got a chunk of money back that took up a lot of expenses. So. We, we were fortunate enough to have two good runs in the Classic. Right. But, you know, the Classic is always a money pit. Five sets of tires and, you know, just three drums of fuel. And, and I mean, it just, I mean, things these days, you got to try and save as much as you can. Well, that's true. And you look at a race like the Classic and you say, well, it's the Classic. So if I'm going to spend a bunch of money, that's the one that yep, I, because exactly. everybody wants to win the classic, right? It's yep. the Indy 500. So um, it's a it's a very tough deal, and and you know it would be awfully nice if you didn't need five sets of tires. Uh, <laughs> <you know? laughs> I yep. mean, so I'll throw this out there then, because um, again, you're you're a driver, you you know you know what things cost, and we've got another new series that's formed now. Um, you know what is your what are your thoughts on that and 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 what would you like to if Joey Payne could be super modified, you know Czar for 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 a day or whatever. Yep. You know what do you think we should do at this point? Because I shoot things out there and I mean I've been around a long time. I've paid attention. I've listened. I've watched. I'm not a driver. I'm not an owner. And there are certain people who would say if you don't have a dog in the fight, shut up. So I, you're a driver. So you have a dog in the fight. Uh, you know, so I'll let you talk about it and I'll listen and, and obviously learn from you. I mean, honestly, I've, I've always been an Isma guy. Yeah. I mean, I, I love Isma and they are, they're, they're in a bad spot right now. I mean, with Danny Sewell coming in as president, maybe he could turn, turn things around because he's been a low buck guy for a long time and he's done very, very good with what he has. So maybe his influence can, can, do something to get more cars. The new series, 
I don't think you need a new series because it's going to kill one series. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand what. I don't know what the point is. I, I you know, and they're talking crazy about anybody. I just well, don't know where. What, what, all these guys have forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollar engines. What do you do? Throw them in the lake as a boat anchor? Yeah, okay, so they're wanting to run crate motors. Well, yeah, they want to run a crate engine. I mean, you know, I mean, no matter what you do, I mean, the time, the problem is the times we're living in right now. I mean, money is so tough right now. Yeah, and. I, I think we need another touring or another super modified series like like you need a hole in your head. Yeah. But, you know, I just think it's going to hurt one of the series. And, and you know, I mean, right now I'm content racing with Oswego. Um, you know, there's 23, 24 cars a, a night. I think that's a good hit. And uh, I enjoy racing there. It's 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 not close to my house, but it's, you know, it's like six hours away, five and a half hours away. Sure. And uh, at least I could go there Saturday morning, race, come home Saturday night or stay at Pat and Terry's, get up early and be home Sunday at a decent time. You know, the traveling deal, uh, I'm wore out with that. I, I did I did the ISMA tour for seven or eight years, and I was doing 110,000 miles a year from, from April till October. And it wore me out. I did it for those years, and like I said, I missed a lot of my kids' childhoods. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just uh, I just don't want to travel anymore. You know, Oswego is pretty much where I want to travel to. And, uh, you know, and then things change. I mean, both my sons race now. So, you know, as they accomplish things in racing, my, my accomplishments don't mean crap to me anymore. You know, I mean, yeah, it's still great to look at the trophies and know sure. I did this and did that, but. There's no better feeling in the world seeing your kids successful at what you love to do. See, it and, seems uh, to me that that's part of the problem with, with um, I think, it, when I look at it as, you know, an outsider but an insider at the same time, um, it, it seems to me we have two issues with, like, ISMA, for example. One may be the motor deal and, and the cost, the extra cost that brings. Um, but the other is it seems like, there aren't there aren't enough people that want to travel anymore. It's a different world now, like you said. It's more expensive, and a lot of things exactly. going on. These these guys are crying about racing ten times a year. Yeah. When I did the Isma tour, we were racing tw- thirty yeah, times I was a year. Say twenty five to thirty shows. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. You don't know what travel is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just and it's like the Oswego guys. Most of them don't want to travel because they don't want to break the cars and then have to because yep. you know what I mean. I got. I mean, and and it. I understand all that. Now, I don't want to vilify anybody in this because I'm not saying people are bad people. I'm just saying that we, we, we seem to have backed ourselves into the into a corner. And I, I saw this coming a few years yep. ago and started talking about it. And it's like eventually we're going to hit a wall with this, where you know you're. We've had. I mean, shoot, Joe goes at 65. You know, yeah, like, I know. And could probably beat up most of the 20 year olds. But, <laughs> but you know, but I mean, you know, you're you're well. You know, getting up there, right? Fifty-five. Uh, okay, no, 55. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna force it. You were. You're yeah. fifty-five. I mean, in in of course we now. I don't saying he's done it. A swiggo and this, and you. Yeah. So you get to a point where you, the barriers to entry into that big block class just mm-hmm. become so great that only yeah. the the wealthiest can play. Right, if you're gonna right. play to win, right? Yeah. So, yep. you know, what do we do? I mean, because it seems like 
the things that we really ought to do. Now, I mean, I'm just going to – I'll throw this out there as again as an observer. I mean, okay, the idea of the, the, the two most expensive parts of the car are the tires and the motor. So – but you, but you go to a crate motor, and like you said, if if I got, you know, two forty thousand dollar know, or whatever big block, what do I do yeah. with them, right? Yeah. What do you do with them? What do I do with them? But at the same time, <laughs> is there a point where we're going to be forced to to make that change, because it's the only way we're going to ever lower the cost at all? Like, where do we go from here, Joey? Yeah, no, I know, you know, I know, but you know, I mean, and and in the same token. You know, all these guys has have these high dollar engines, but now the crate engine's eighteen thousand dollars. So, you know, it's like it's still money out of their pocket that they have to spend. Yeah. So it, it's like I think it's a no win situation, no matter how you go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you it's know? and you know, tires to me have always been too expensive. Um, oh, it's, I still it's, think it's they're insane. too expensive. If, if you know um, what the, knew what the markup was on tires, I do. You, you, That's you, why I said it's too expensive. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, cry. we you, everybody says, well, you can't cut the cut. Yes, you can. You, they just don't want to. Yep. You know, they, they, they don't want to do it. They yep. they they yep. know that we you need the tires, and nobody seems willing to, you know, yep. want to play and you know bring some a different you know bring somebody else in. And I mean, it just it's so it's yep. it's, it's it's an interesting. And somewhat frustrating situation with the big yeah. blocks. Um, that's See, why. Go ahead. My 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 take on this whole situation on like like the old guard leaving and the new guard coming in is we were all hardcore racers, yes. like hardcore yep. to the bone. Yep. And the new regime that's coming in, the younger guys, they're more like hobby racers. Yeah. To be honest with yeah. you, I, they're I like hobby it. racers. Yeah. And and that's where that's where you lose because it's not you're not doing everything you can to get to the racetrack. Yeah. You well, know, it's like oh, I'm not going to race. Oh, I'll go I'll go race online. You know, and and that's the problem nowadays. It's not as hardcore as it used to be. I I think I think there's some truth in that, and I think between that and the fact that we're not making it any less expensive to go to the racetrack, right? right? Yep. So, no doubt. you know, the ones who would want to be hardcore racers, a lot of them just can't afford to, yeah, um, yeah. you know, and then uh, the, then, you, like you said, you have, you know, the ones that probably just don't want to race as much. And so yeah. tough situation. So I'm glad to see the 350 class growing and I'm glad oh, that's that, that's an know, awesome class. It, it really is. is. I hope they I knew I knew up. that was going to take off. And to be quite honest with you, when when Oswego first went to the small block super. I had said, why would you not oh, I, go I to, to a super modified yeah. with a 350 yeah. engine in it? Well, I know why they didn't, because they didn't want to lose any cars out of the current super modified class. But my argument right. to that back then, you had you could you could afford to because we right. were getting right. 30 and then, cars. And then a if week, you wanted you know, to move up to a big block, just buy a big was. block and put it in. Right. Exactly. There it was. Yeah. And so, you know, it took basically going backwards to now be going forward. Yeah. And and yet I'm glad the SBS class is still and it's a good class and it's produced a lot of big block, very successful yeah. super modified yeah. racers. So it did its job. So in the end, um, you know, I think kind of that school of thought was was worked out fine. And yet now you you've got this other that you, you went back and did what you should have done. And that class is growing, too. And I, 
you know, I I see the day coming when you, that's that those are going to be the two weekly divisions. They're going to take over. Yeah, they're, there's no doubt. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind they're going to take over. You know, you're you've got your special shows for the big blocks, and I'm thrilled. Mm-hmm. You know, I love what John the coacher is doing, and I think that's yeah. Yep. It's an amazing thing. Um, you know, is that uh, – will you guys participate in that series? No, I, won't, I don't think we'll do that. No? I, I don't – I can't get this this Oswego car to go with a wing. And, and Oh, really? You know, it's it's just – I just have no uh, – no uh, <laughs> I'd rather just do the Oswego deal and, and that's it, Yeah, you know. Yeah. You know, I got I got a uh, I got a three stage wing on my car, and it's it's not really good for for big tracks. Okay, it's good for you. a short track, and you know it's a three thousand dollar wing. What do you do? Throw it away? Yeah, well, you everything know. is so expensive for those cars, right? Yep. And it's, everything you know, is expensive. It just that's what it, and, and I mean I know they were always more expensive than other divisions before, but when we went to yep. the Arrow and the new stuff that we got, it's like that just. It, it went, you know, because then it's it's all specialized and everything's yeah. about air and it's harder to build a wing yourself and do the bodies and all that. You got to kind of buy more. And so it's just not as accessible to the average person as it used to be back in the day, right. I don't think. But um, but it, but I, I do look forward to the coming season. And I know you said you're still going to run Oswego. Now, um, you're obviously in Indiana right now to do the Rumble. And I yep. know that's got to be uh, something you're looking forward to. What else might Joey Payne get himself into next year if it's not, you know, running around chasing his most supermodified races? All going to do more. <laughs> I, I got a lot or... going on for for a guy that said he was going to retire soon. <laughs> <laughs> you all, uh, you know, this you this, this deal here with, with Tony. I mean, this, this made my career. You know, I mean, I, I've known Tony since the, the late '80s. We used to race in Niagara Falls together, and then we raced in Florida together. And uh, with a midget, and you know, when he asked me to drive this car, that that made my career. You know, I've 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 won a lot of races, I've won championships, and and to have Tony Stewart ask you to drive one of his cars, that 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 puts the icing on the cake. But uh, you know, we're going to do the Rumble here, and hopefully, we come out successful. I mean, I'm in a I'm in a in a winning car. I know it, it's got the it's got the potential to win. Uh, Rico drove it the last two years, yeah. and, and we had some problems with it. Kept breaking the engine, and uh, we think we got that licked. Uh, good. Mike Seymour built built some good engines for us, and uh, we'll go from here. And uh, we'll get we'll get the super ready. It's uh, it's at my shop, and and we'll get that ready for the first race of the year. And uh, my buddy Dave Shore, he uh, he bought. Gene Angelillo's midget that I used to drive, so I wound up driving that at Thompson and Waterford the last two NEMA races okay. last year. And then he bought uh, Jeff Locke's NEMA light car, so my son Anthony and I will be sharing midget and NEMA light rides back and forth, you know, periodically. Not, oh, nice. Not, nothing steady. Okay. Just when when Dave could get away and go racing, we'll go racing with him. And uh, my my ultimate goal is to get Anthony in my super this year. So I know I've talked to Don about it before, and he said, you know, when you want to let him do it, let him do it. And uh, I'd like to get him some seat time and, uh, you know, hopefully it could get him a ride back in a 350 or maybe even into a super. Because he he ran the 350 Super Series at Star and did very good there. 
I'm so. I, I'm interested in how you said that because what you what you think you're going to hear as you're talking about that is, you know that uh, if, uh, you know he maybe will get him in for classic and then I'm thinking okay so then you said so it sounds like you're you're not necessarily going to just step out of the car and put him in it and you know you still got more racing you want to do even if it's only at Oswego. I am going to win that classic one year. <laughs> I can tell you that. So I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm at a point right now where I, I, I enjoy when I'm at the racetrack. Okay. I don't enjoy working on the cars because most of the time it's just me by myself. Yeah. I don't have any crew. I got, I got a guy that lives up in, in Horsets, New York, Jeff Page. He comes down and he'll help me here and there. Okay. And he's he's like the main guy at the track for me. And then I got I got a bunch of guys in Oswego that help us. And uh, you know I, I have the crew at the track, but I don't have any crew at the shop. I so that, that's the roughest part. And you know loading and unloading and and it just it, that that's what makes it hard on me. And uh, well, and you've you know, done it so long, right? That, I mean, that, yeah, you know, you know it, it's. I'm not getting any younger. Right. None of us are. <laughs> and, and you know, if I drive home Saturday night and get home 5 in the morning, usually by Friday I'm recuperated and it starts all over again. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Um, you know, but, uh, now, you know, I, I just, I, I still, I have, still have the desire to race. You know, I, I, I recently got divorced and I, I'm restarting my life. I'm having a lot of fun. I got a, 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 a fiancé. We got engaged. Oh, congratulations. And, and, we we have a ball. She's she loves racing. Her her uncle was Donnie Ling, and he's oh. sponsor sponsor all the cars at Wall Fluids and Pouch. And, yeah, had a modified. Jeff Bodine drove. Uh, yep, a while, yep. A while and, back. and yeah, her cousin Donnie used to race modifieds and Bush North cars. So she she grew up around racing, and we we have a good time. She helps me a lot on the cars, and uh, you know I just. Like I said, I don't want to. I don't want to retire, but I'm not really into racing full time either. So, okay. and it works out good because Don says, "Here's the car, race when you want. You don't have to race when you don't want to want when you don't want to race." So it works out good. Now, uh, yep. what's Anthony doing when he's not rotating midgets and whatever with you? Well, I'm sorry, I missed what that. What is what is Anthony doing when he's not gonna? What's he gonna do next year when he's not rotating midgets and what, Nemo Light with you? Well, hopefully he get, he he's been he came to help me at Oswego in May and and wound up tearing his meniscus and ACL. The, the car got pushed into his knee and buckled his knee. So he hasn't really raced this year at all. I didn't realize so that. Oh boy! I want him to race as much as he can. And Joey Joey races three quarter midgets. So I think I think with with both of them, you know, three quarter midgets and Anthony will do the Nema Nema light and. Uh, you know, I'd like to get him in the super a couple times. Cool. Well, sounds like uh, you're going to be plenty busy between your stuff and their stuff still, and probably about as busy as you want to be, right? And you're having fun doing it. Yeah. No, I'm 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 having a ball. You know, uh, you know. Unfortunately, I lost my dad back in December last yeah. year, and you know, he was he was the patriarch to the family, he and was. a lot of our inspiration was from him. And uh, you know, it's tough not having him around, but. Just try and make them proud, and you know, I, I, you know, I've won, I've won championships and big, big races throughout my career, and and this summer, I got a race. Um, last last summer, 
it was my father's memorial race at Bethel Speedway. Oh. I didn't have a ride. One one of my friends from the TQ club said, hey, drive my car. We wound up winning the race. And that, oh, that's awesome. Honestly, that's the biggest race I've ever won in my career. Yeah, in, absolutely. In my dad's honor. Yep, so. I was going to say, just purely for, yep, for what it was. That's, that's yeah, awesome, you know, they, they, You know, I mean, I was second with four laps to go, and, and you know, <laughs> The guy leading the race overdrove the car, and I got by him. And as soon as I got by him, I I, I was going down the front stretch, and I looked up and I said, "Thanks, Dad." <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. Yeah, I yeah. I missed a note here. I wanted to to um, how did you? Because uh, somebody's gonna say you should have asked him. How did how did you get hooked up with Dom Pennix in the first place? How did that come together? Okay, so so back in 2013, Jim Belfury called me. And he oh. says, hey, you know, uh, Don's got this Belfab car, and Kyle's driving the, the Hyder. He needs a driver. Would you be interested? And I said, hell yeah, look, definitely. Because I had met Don and Kyle when they ran Isma back in yeah. oh, 13. So so in, in 14, we went to to, uh, to Utah, 14 or 15. Okay. So, and it's the same thing. It was a one-shot deal. And and I showed up out in Utah, and and we were pretty good, and we had problems. The fuel pump drive broke, and I didn't get to race. And uh, the next year, we went back, and and we were second. We ran second most of the race, and uh, started overheating with five to go, and I, I I stepped back to third. So we wound up third, and then we we left Utah, and he said to me, he goes, I want to do the high miler, and he wound up calling me up and he says hey i'm on my way i'm bringing the truck trailer and and car and i'm gonna leave it in sandusky you bring it home and and finish the season out with isma oh wow so just like that he's he's a he's a really good guy we uh we get along really good and uh he just loves to see and hear his cars going around the track you know it's tough i mean my car owner lives in california well, he, he only gets out here two or three races a year I want him to, to enjoy it with us, you know, but it's, it's tough because, you know, he's got a successful business back in California, NH3 Plus, and, and you know, it's uh, that's what he does. And he just, you know, like I said, that's his outlet, just knowing his cars are on the track and, and, and doing good. That's all he wants. I knew that started out in the West Coast, but I didn't know, ever know kind of the genesis of it, how you two got together. That's uh, That's an interesting deal. Yeah, yeah. And and so all these years later, here you are still driving for him, and it uh, sounds like that's probably going to be the way you finish your career. It's great to have a relationship Absolutely. with a car owner yep. like that. I, I can't think of any better way. And, uh, you know, he, he could say, hey, we're pulling the plug tomorrow, and I'd be fine with it because, you know, he's done so much for me. And like I said, we, we get along so good. And, and he's helped he's helped Anthony through his career, you know, with, with sponsorship with nice. tires and, and stuff like that. and. You know, he's, he's, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's the truth. They say when, when you meet people in racing, they become family. And, and that's, yes. that's exactly what Don has become. 100%. Just like Pat and Terry, yep. you know, just, just another family member. 
Hundred percent. Well, um, definitely been fun to spend some time. I know that you've got a lot going on out there, getting ready for the big race, um, and so uh, hopefully, maybe down the road, we'll get you back on again and chat about some of the personalities you've raced with. Because I would love to. to <laughs> oh, get I got here. a lot of those. I bet <laughs> you do. That's why I'd love to have you back. So uh, we'll continue this sometime in the new year. But uh, good luck this weekend, and our prayers for uh, full healing and uh, everything for Anthony. Get him back on the track as well. And boy, I. I would love to see him in a super modified so i hope that day comes soon yeah so so do i thanks and i really appreciate it and uh great talking with you and uh next time i come back we'll talk about uh all the characters yeah there are there were a number of those still are so uh that'll be fun <laughs> we'll do that uh we'll do that over the winter before the season starts again we'll get you on for joey Payne too so uh have a great weekend out there be safe good luck go get us a rumble right. win and we'll talk to you soon happy new year and merry christmas to your family too yeah. Same to you and everybody else on the air here. All right. That is uh, Joey Payne. We'll be back with more of The Groove right after this. Okay, folks, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors here on Inside Groove, Indie Performance Composites. They're a premier composite design and manufacturing company creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Jeff West and his team are amazing. They do all kinds of work in the motorsports industry from dirt tracks to NASCAR to IndyCar, super modifieds. It doesn't matter. If you've got something that you need designed or fabricated, let them help you transform your idea, your vision, and your budget into a workable, high-performance solution. They have all kinds of services from 3D printing to finishing services, end-to-end composite solutions is what they are. Check them out, ipcindy.com or indieperformancecompositesinc.com and tell them that the folks from Inside Groove set you. Welcome back to The Groove as we uh, start to wrap this up for this week and for 2021 uh hope you enjoyed that interview with joey Payne as much as i enjoyed uh talking to him and doing it um it's uh it's a lot of fun can't wait to see what he does at uh the rumble driving for tony stewart that's going to be an amazing opportunity all right let's jump into what's in the number shall we um when i thought about the number 87 at first i was thinking that this will be fun because my first thought was there have been a number of 87s uh, across time at the Speedway, and this would be one of those numbers where I'd have to try and remember all the drivers. But then as I thought about it more, I said, you know what? I don't think it has been used very much. Um, in fact, the only two I could come up with were Bruce Kraft in the 70s and then Randy Ritzkis. Um, I think was 87 for a while. I was debating whether he was 87 or 88. And I actually think he was both. I think he was 87 with his own car. And I think, um, 88 with, uh, with, with, uh, Durant, Randy Durant, when he was driving for him, I think, uh, he was number 88. If I'm not mistaken, I might be wrong about that, but, um, those were the two I, <laughs> I don't think I don't recall a lot of other there may have been again some some temporary number changes where somebody you know you got a pair of 
07s or something and somebody becomes 87. But I couldn't recall. I, I believe Ritzkis was 87, and I I know Bruce Kraft was 87. Uh, those are the only two that I could come up with. Now, again, if you guys could come up with other ones, throw them out there. Because um, I'm just, you know, I'm, I've lost detail over time. And uh, especially, you know, as we get into the to the nineties, for whatever reason, I just lose a lot of the detail on a lot of that. So um, throw throw it out there. But uh, Ritzkis and Kraft were the only two that I remember for number eighty seven. And uh, Bruce was one of those drivers. He he drove a number of cars. He drove the uh, Ralph Wissing four a time or two. He drove the the uh, C fifteen for Herm Graf. Um, a few times, I think he drove uh, and he drove his own 87 um, was trying to think if there were other cars he might have jumped into. But uh, Bruce, um, Bruce had uh, he had a few different, you know, different opportunities there. And I don't remember much about him. I, I'm sure that I got his autograph a time or two, but I, I just don't really have a lot of memory of talking to him or whatever. I was so young back then. Um but, uh, you know, seemed like a, a, a driver that was very dedicated to, um, you know, to racing for a while. And, and then, uh, I don't know if, you know, eventually just uh, got too expensive for him or, you know, he, you know, moved on to other things or whatever. But uh, I don't remember him past the 70s. So if he continued on in the 80s, I don't I don't really remember too much about that. But and, you know, I think Randy Ritzke is one of the best pure talents that ever sat in any car at the Oswego Speedway, in my opinion. Um, and I love, I love him as a, a, an announcer. I think he's a, a terrific uh, color commentator. Um, and just, I know he just loves the sport. Um, great dirt driver, great super modified driver. Uh, just, uh, I mean, I'll never forget the one, one race I do remember from the nineties. The I don't, maybe early 90s, 92, 93, whenever it was, the first ever winged show at Oswego when Randy and Bentley Warren in a pair of Dunnigan Purple People Eaters just went out there and absolutely put on as good a show as you'll ever see two drivers put on at the Speedway, and Randy ended up winning. It was great. Absolutely thought that was incredible. Um, Just loved, 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 loved that race. And so... um, that's it. That's all I got for that. <laughs> Hope you all can do better if there is better to do. Um, so, uh, you know, again, I, I a lot of times I, I lose out on the 60s because I just wasn't born yet till late that century or that decade. So um, if anybody can fill it in, do it. And let's have some fun with that. Uh, okay. Congratulations, Camden Proud. The Doug Daro 3 is now in Cam's garage. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this on this show because um, eventually, once Cam gets back stateside, we'll get him on and and we'll let him, uh, you know, talk about it in detail. But uh, as I understand it, they bought basically that operation, so car and whatever parts I think or whatever that that went with it. Um, John uh, Coloco, I think, will be. I don't know if it's weekly, but I think he'll be in the pits with. Uh, Camden and Tim and the team um, to kind of help, I would think, especially early on. Uh, and Doug, 
again, I don't know that Doug's going to obviously come up from North Carolina every week to help, but um, plenty of ways to communicate remotely now, as we know. So uh, I know Doug and Cam have already had a bunch of conversation, and Cam has just been so thrilled and so thankful for what Doug has contributed already in terms of advice and thoughts and all that. And, and uh, so they, uh, you know, that's a, that's a huge deal. Now, the, so that, for Cam, that is amazing. Uh, sadly, it doesn't add to the car count, right? Because Cam's getting out of one car and into another. So it basically, in terms of driver count, is a lateral move. We're losing Doug and not gaining anybody because Cam is, unless they sell the 54 to somebody new, which could happen, surely, or put somebody in it somehow. Uh, so hopefully we'll we'll gain some drivers some other way. But that's that's huge news for uh, for Camden. And I also want to touch base real quick. I'm not, again, I'll save a lot of this for after the new year to get into this in more detail because I need to find out more about this. But there is a new Super Modified Series up in New England that, uh, as Joey and I talked about, uh, they intend to uh, be a crate motor series. They're going to run crate motors, big block Super Modifieds with crate motors. Um, I, I don't know. I I know nothing about who is in charge of this series. I know nothing about who conceived this series. I imagine the goal was some sort of a cheaper super modified series. But what's hard about this is that, again, if everybody went to crate motors all at once, and I'm not even saying that's a good idea because obviously that we got all these big blocks. Nobody can, you know, where are you going to, what are you going to do with them? Right. But I, all I'm saying is that if everybody in like Isma, Swigo, MSS, if they all went to crate motors at once, that would be one thing because then everybody's on the same thing. But what you're, what it seems like is happening here is that um, you're going to take, I don't know how many new big block super modified competitors run this series versus people like Howie Lane, who appears that he's still going to do something with Isma, but not necessarily compete with his cars there. He's committed, I think, to this new series um, with, I, I would guess crate motors although i understand they're maybe allowing big blocks with some sort of you know restriction in some some kind of way so i don't know man i i i'm i don't know <laughs> it's just kind of head scratcher so i i think uh i mean for me just whatever you know i mean again there are people who will say well i you know you don't have a dog in a fight you own a car you don't drive a car so you shut up well, okay, um, you know, it's like whatever. Um, but I think, you know, just looking at it from a business standpoint, I uh, wonder, you know, we have only so many super modifieds in the Northeast, so who goes and runs that? And do they also run ISMA? And if not, we lose them. Or are these going to be cars that were not running ISMA anyway, which means, okay, the new series grows, but ISMA doesn't, and eventually we lose ISMA. So, you know, again, I, I don't really know enough to, to say a whole lot. It just was like this series all of a sudden just came out of nowhere and showed up. So it may be a phenomenal thing. And 
I'm hopeful that somehow it is. Um, so we'll try to find out more uh, if anybody knows who's in charge of this and uh, wants to get them in touch with me or get me in touch with them. Um, I'd love to have somebody on the show to, to talk about it and, and explain, you know, what the goals are and what, what you know, how, how this is going to work. Because I think all of us would like to know more about it and, and hear from the people who are behind it. So uh, this show is more than open to uh, anybody from that series as it is from ISMO or Swigo or MSS or California or anywhere else. So, um, you know, if somebody uh, gets me in touch with the right folks, we'll try to get them on uh, the next show. We'll get somebody on the next show and uh, talk a little bit about that. So those are the two biggest announcements uh, uh, other than um, I do understand that Danny Kapazinski is doing some races, I think, throughout the season for uh, the SBS division next year, too. And that's awesome because I know that Mike, Bruce and Cam were doing things after the season and Oswego was over, and I'm sure maybe Danny would do that as well. But to have some races during the year um, that sort of make two race weekends or uh, maybe a weekend when Oswego's off, go schedule a race at some other track in New York, that's – I love it. So if that's, uh, that's true, then uh, I think that's great. And, you know, we need more people like Danny to step up and, and do these things. That's why it's great that John – the coach is doing his wing deal. All of it just gets more eyes and, and attention on Oswego Speedway and the various types of super modified racing. And that is nothing but good. So um, that is where I'm going to leave it here for this particular show. I wanted to keep this fairly brief. I wanted Joey to be the most of it. Um, I can't thank you guys enough who listen and support and share the show every episode uh, we have got plans to do more content, not less, once we get the new site, new brand up and running and have more tools to work with. So um, stay tuned for that as uh, next year gets underway. But until then, uh, again, thanks for your support. Thanks to our sponsors, Jeff West and IPC Indy. Uh, of course, Rich Worth and JNS Paving and Sean Cathcart and the staff from uh, Skip's Fish Fry and LaGroff's Pub. We appreciate each and every one of you looking forward to 2022 and hopefully at some point uh, some sanity creeps back into the country and the world and we can just have a, a, a tremendous year next year. But regardless, I wish each and every one of you and your families a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. God bless all of you. Be safe and we will talk to you in January of 2022 with episode 88 of the Inside Groove. Until then, I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for listening. So long. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.